So Jav is not going to be here, right? He's 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 well. I mean, he he turned up late anyway, right? Twenty two minutes late, and then said he had eight minutes to record before he had to leave for the airport. So could we change the show to bring all his stuff forward? <laughs> yeah, in eight minutes. In eight this, minutes. <laughs> this kind of perfection takes at least twelve. You're listening to the Host Unknown podcast. Hello, hello, hello. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening from wherever you are joining us. And welcome to episode 108 of the Host Unknown podcast with... 112. 112. With your with your regular hosts, Tom and Andy. <laughs> <laughs> so Jav's on his way to the airport again. Yes, he, uh, Air Miles Malik. Air Miles Malik. Does that fit? Yeah. <laughs> Or more, no, he does a lot of uh, flights in Europe and Germany. So it's more sort of like, is it more miles? What does Lufthansa do? I forget what they're... Oh. Uh, miles, yeah, and sure. miles and more. Miles and more Malik. Miles and more. Miles and more Malik. Although flying Lufthansa is never a good thing. Never a good thing. Uh, do you know what? I have had good experiences with Lufthansa. I mean, they always take off and land on time. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, their lounges aren't too bad either. Yeah. They have, well, it's a, it's a German thing, right? They have a lot of Haribo in their lounges. <laughs> <laughs> so, right now they, we yeah. get to the bottom of it. <laughs> yeah, they do have lots of Haribo and it's uh, very well stocked. I'll say that. Right, now we get to the bottom of it. So, Andy, how's your week been? Uh, it's been good. It's been busy. I've been settling into the new job. Um, you haven't been fired and, yet. Then. Do you know what? Although not been fired yet, although I am probably pushing a few buttons to <laughs> to, to make people wonder whether or not they made the right decision. Uh, however, like, I, well, as about to say, I've got nothing to lose, but I clearly do. You know, like a job <laughs> yeah. and a livelihood. But you yeah, know, that's right. You got to roll wife, with it. My wife, my children, my house, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my I reputation. Mean, you know, I, I, well. I, <laughs> Know, maybe. I'll always say I'm a grower, not a shower. Okay, so <laughs> you know, give me time, give me time. Um, but I was away. I obviously didn't make it back in time for the end of the show last week. Uh, you know, for yep. for whatever stuff you guys you know continued without me for. Um, however, even though I left early last week, I actually received more commentary uh, on the show than I have any other episode. Really? Uh, so, yeah. So, firstly, I have uh, commentary. Do you remember when we talked about Vodafone, uh, or you talked about Vodafone? This is actually from the previous week, but I don't know why I got it last week. Um, with Vodafone talking about uh, monitoring internet users' behaviours. Oh, and, yes, um, yeah. Yes, a uh, friend of the show in Singapore actually pointed out that this is something that BT was involved in a long time ago, if you remember Form, back in 2010, with the P-H-O-R-M. Um, which oh, we obviously failed to mention. Bell, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, as he did highlight, everything old is new again, uh, or everything new is old. <laughs> you know what something, I mean. Something, something, something. Uh, yeah, and I have a clarification to make as well. Last week, Jav started the uh, his roundup of the week talking about how a friend of mine let me know that he was recording a live event, so I could happily disrupt it. Um, and that person, friend of the show. Uh, 
wrote in to uh, clarify he is no friend of mine uh, and he just wanted that on the record to uh, to, to stop telling people we're friends uh, he's purely just a friend of the show so uh, there we go two two clarifications to include this week do you know what i've got a clarification as well so i was chatting to my mum last night duchess ladywell and the she duchess. said the duchess yeah she said can you be very clear I do use a password manager. I use the one that's built into um, built into Mac OS, uh, which is absolutely right. I mean, she still does have a little blue book. Don't get me wrong, and but she's slowly moving over to the password manager. So, so, Mum, I'm sorry I maligned you. Um, you are absolutely um, way way ahead. Absolutely, absolutely. So. Uh, yes, it seems to be a a week of clarifications and apologies. <laughs> Mind yeah. you, it well, to be, be fair, a we just don't show. normally do the apologies. Yeah. No, we don't. We don't. We we normally just take the piss out of the complaints more than anything else. Don't we? <laughs> so, but how was your week? Yeah, good, good. Um, I'm actually I've actually been at home all week, which has been a uh, a pleasant change. Not been travelling this week. I think it's in preparation for Infosec yeah. Europe next week. Um, although we know um, Eleanor Dalloway's leaving uh, Infosec, right, and um, uh, yes. moving on to, to 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 warmer climes or or whatever, to, uh, it's already gone downhill because I was I did not get a VIP ticket. They said I didn't qualify. So ever since Ooh. she's left, I know I'm a CISO. I thought Ooh. I'm a CISO decision maker. Blah blah blah. Don't qualify. I don't know what that's all about. Eleanor, oh. if you listen, well, Eleanor, I know you're listening. Surely, in this, you know, in the same way that presidents are allowed to, you know, grant pardons and all that sort of thing, <laughs> surely, as one of your departing acts, you can get me access to the free tea and coffee and biscuits. That's all I'm after, really. All I'm after. Um, you know, the gold badge that says VIP is purely window dressing after that. You know. <laughs> So, so yes, I shall be slumming it next week at Infosec. Uh, will you be joining us there? Uh, I'm still deciding. So the uh, the bad thing that's going on is there's going to be a train strike um, oh, yes. on two of yeah. the three days at Infosec Europe, which means that Wednesday would be the only day I did go. Um, but as much of uh, you know, much of the country is going to be affected. I think Wednesday is going to be the busiest day. And yep. uh, also, they've moved it to the XL Arena this year, which is That's a right. um, pain in the backside. I don't know. I'm not a big fan of XL. Sure, it's closer it's so to far you, away. isn't it? Southeast way. Maybe as the crow flies, <clears throat> but uh, in terms of logistics, oh, it's like getting on and you know tram, yeah. DLR, whatever. No, I don't know. So the best thing about Infosec is really just about catching up with people, right? I've got yes. no interest in learning about zero trust vendors. You know what, no. what zero trust solution vendors can offer, and oh, uh, I know all, all I need to about, know about XDR. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. So um, I definitely have no interest in learning about you know XDR and EDR vendors. None at all. Yeah. None at all. Yeah. Especially if they're so, purple. Tricky one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, so moving I, I, swiftly on. Yeah, oh, yeah that's right. Yeah, let's uh, let's gloss over that. Yeah, I'm I'm going to be up there from Monday evening to Friday morning. So I was rather right. hoping if we get the three of us, we could do a show from the show, as it were. I think that would be really quite cool. Uh, we can do. We, we've done it in the past. Not that we uh, ever published it, but 
you know, no, it, it, it has been done. It, it's still I mean, it was about, what, five somewhere. years ago? Before, yeah, uh, uh, more than five years ago. It was before Jack Daniels yeah, died, two, wasn't seven. it? Seven. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Breaking news. Right, shall we see what we've got coming up today? So this week in InfoSec takes us back to a time when RSA was more than just a super spreader event. Rant of the Week talks about the crossover between the dumbest human and the smartest AI. Billy Big Balls is on a crusade to battle misinformation. Industry News brings us the latest and greatest security news stories from around the world. And finally, Tweet of the Week talks about hiring practices. So let's move on to our favourite part of the show, the part of the show that we like to call... This week in InfoSec. It is that part of the show where we take a stroll down InfoSec memory lane with content liberated from the Today in InfoSec Twitter account and further afield. And this week we have gone much further afield and I shall take you back a mere 25 years to the year I was born when on this day, 17th of June 1997, hackers deciphered computer code written in the Data Encryption Standard, aka DES. Uh, which had been designed to be an impenetrable encryption software. Uh, so a group of users organised over the internet cracked the software, which was the strongest legally exportable encryption software in the United States at the time, uh, after five months of work. Um, so the USA had previously banned stronger encryption software out of fear that it would be used by terrorists. Where have we heard that before? Um, but companies designing the software said that such restrictions are worthless because foreign countries already offered much stronger programs. Uh, so I'm going to walk this back to the start. So it was actually in the early 70s, right? The US government put out an open call for like a new stronger encryption algorithm that'd be made into a federal standard. And this is you know, what we know as FIPS or Federal Information Processing Standard. So numerous solutions were submitted as a candidate, including one from IBM. And the IBM solution was originally called Lucifer. Um, what a great name. Uh, and oh, then that I'm was sure the actually, Americans loved that. They love it, yeah. I mean, the only other way they'd been selected, if they'd called it like Stars and Stripes or uh, Freedom uh, or, or Protection of Freedom. <laughs> like, I was going to say Patriots, but I think we've had yeah. plenty of Patriot chips and things like that, haven't we? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so Lucifer was chosen to be the uh, encryption algorithm. And uh, after that, it was actually renamed as, well, just known as DES, um, you know, the digital encryption standard. Was that short for uh, Desmond? So Des right? Des Lucifer was a little bit edgy, so they chose Desmond. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, named after the guy, that uh, the vendor manager that accepted it. Or, <laughs> <laughs> you know, IBM had some shady practices back in the day, right? Yeah, There's lots right. of uh, handshakes. Uh, so, no, Dez uh, Des, Des, Des was the most widely used method of uh, symmetric data encryption ever created at the time, right? So its 56-bit key size meant there were roughly 72 quadrillion possible encryption keys for any given message right and so des was always considered strong encryption um, but obviously as we know strength is relative so the strength of the encryption system is basically measured about how resilient it is against attack right so but from the outset 
it was known that Dez was susceptible to brute force attacks. What? Okay. Yeah, so this was the interesting piece, but you have to take into account that Dez was developed long before desktop computers. So the feasibility of a computer that could perform a brute force attack against Dez was rendered so expensive and infeasible that 56-bit key was considered strong enough. And the funny thing is that Lucifer actually had an original design of 128-bit um, block size and 112-bit key size, but politics got in the way of it. I don't know the detail of that. I need to actually read the article in more detail. Um, I love, I and love so the fact Des that politics actually, got in the way of that. I mean, for goodness sake. Yeah. Well, I guess it means, you know, it took the NSA too long to read read stuff that was encrypted. Yeah. Um, so essentially, yeah, Des was, was created in a crippled state from the start. Um, and then obviously by 97, as we mentioned, Des was cracked. Uh, you know, the start of his downfall commenced. Um, and it was actually RSA Security Inc., um, you know, created the RSA Secret Key Challenge. And the challenge was to break a desencrypted message. Um, and a group of friends got together. They called themselves Des Chow, uh, short for the Des Challenge. Um, <laughs> the uno their unofficial mantra was that friends didn't let friends have idle computers. Um, so think, uh, you know, back to sort of SETI and that, that type of uh, thinking yeah, the, process. Protein folding and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. So, so Deschow used um, basically internet-based distributed computing infrastructure, and like obviously because brute force attacks are naturally suited to distributed computing, made for like the perfect testing ground to break Des. Um, and so, even while they're doing this, so bear in mind this is like nineteen ninety-seven. So we're sort of on the cusp of like the the great internet breakout. Um, yeah. So it even designed this software to crunch, you know, a 72 quadrillion was not an easy task. Um, so they're also up against, like, you know, competitive foreign groups. They said they had challenged with key server crashes. Um, they had the U.S. government on their back as well, who are obviously not happy to, you know, to see what was going on here. Um, but, you know, their aim was to get as many hosts involved as possible. And they managed to use, um, like, resources from, like, universities, which obviously had, like, powerful computers that were sitting idle all summer mm. and um, with the software that was used they said that a single 200 megahertz pentium system was able to test approximately 1 million keys per second if it was doing nothing else wow um, and yeah i mean even like all the people they reached out to and this is funny this is like a product of its time as well that um you know the, the desk chow members were were, were like you know dumbfounded when the computer lab manager of Yale University refused to allow them to use the lab's computers um, because he said that the computers had the newest processes in them and he didn't want to wear them out <laughs> and so, and like, you know he, he also thought that you know that there's a potential that their software could void the warranty with a computer manufacturer due to strain uh, on the Just processor but uh, I know, but yeah, this was a thinking back then, right? You, you weren't yeah. people like the information just wasn't out there for people to know for know for sure. So there's a lot of um, you know sort of old wives' tales and, and myths being spread down. Um, but yeah, besides all that, the Deschal team was victorious in June '97 when they finally cracked the RSA secret key challenge uh, after processing about 25% of the 72 quadrillion keys. Uh, and the message they decrypted simply said, strong cryptography makes the world a safer place. 
Uh, and this was the beginning of the end for Des, uh, which has obviously since been replaced by AES. Wasn't the response to bring out triple Des? Uh, <laughs> that was something that was happening at the time, but uh, AES had already come out and was beginning right, to okay. make its mark. Um, so I think triple Des was more of a, um, a you know, like a, a, a side a project. Over it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not just some, somebody in the Pentagon the saying, "Let's just get three of them." Then, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, what do we need? Double it? No, no, no. Treble it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's brilliant. I, yeah. I love some of this early stuff about encryption because it 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 really puts into context how complex it, how amazingly complex it is today, but in terms that we can probably relate to a bit more. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, also thinking that, you know, knowing that there's a flaw and then saying, actually, do you know what, that's too expensive in time or resource for anyone to exploit that. Yeah. Um, You know, and and that's what they believed back then because, uh, as we say, like, you know, PCs weren't widely or weren't available. It wasn't something people had. simply didn't have the horsepower. No, and then all of a sudden, yeah, overnight, boom. Suddenly they did. Brilliant. That was a nice one. Thank you, Andy, for this week's... This week in InfoSec. You're listening to the Host Unknown Podcast. Bubblegum for the brain. Right, let's uh, move on, shall we, to this week's... Listen up! Rant of the Week. It's such a mother rage! So, maybe a little bit of a rant, a little bit of a... We'll rant at an individual here. So you may have seen a story. Google suspends an engineer who claims its AI is sentient. So, I think the rant here, you know, uh, and and it was basically this this chap, basically um, uh, Blake Lemoyne, who works for Google's responsible AI organisation, that's responsible with a capital R, um, and... With a name like that, you know that they're up to no good. What exactly? <laughs> if you have to include the word "responsible" in the department's name, it's. Uh... <laughs> so he published a, a transcript of his conversation with the AI. Um, this was after he'd been placed on leave, saying it is sentient because it has feelings, emotions, and subjective experience. Um, now. The interesting thing here, or the thing that gets me, and this is the rant here, is what is Blake Lemoyne's endgame? What was he thinking was going to happen when he said that Google has a sentient AI? When, um, <laughs> you know, by all accounts, sentient, in fact, AI is barely above, you know, um, you know, can barely produce anything beyond well, far-right-wing rhetoric when exposed to the internet, it would seem, yeah. uh, according to Microsoft's, was it Chatbot and AI or whatever they published. Um, yeah. But what was the end game here? Did he did he expect there to be panic in the streets? Did he think that Google were deliberately <laughs> hiding the fact that they, that he, that they had some kind of, um, you know, sentient AI going on? Uh, I mean, Google is many things, but it's not backwards in coming forwards when it comes to celebrating what it thinks are its successes and things like that um and anyway as we know with google products as soon as it becomes sentient they'll probably just can the whole project and kill it 
let's face it, you know, everything <laughs> useful they've ever produced, they've always sidelined and killed anyway. Um, so, so yeah, I don't understand what Blake's end game was here. What, what did he expect? You know, because now he's got everybody looking at Google, you know, oh, oh, unless this is some kind of false flag operation where, you know, he's being paid to be fired so that everybody's looking at Google now. You know, and invest in Google because what if Go what what if Blake's right and he's been fired because he's a whistleblower? We should invest in Google or something like that. But, but anyway, you know, now I'm going down the the QAnon rabbit hole. But, uh, um, but yeah, um, so you know, Google fired him because they they reckoned he, he violated their uh, uh, confidentiality policies, um, and maybe even yeah. exposed Which the PII. Which he probably did. Yeah. Well, uh, well, and also exposed the PII of the sentient AI as well. I mean, it's a yeah. you know, personal conversation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, intellectual property. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, do you know what this um, this guy reminds me? Do you know who um, Ben Jabitua is? No, I don't think I do. He was a uh, famous scientist in the eighties um, um, in Chicago. Uh, and he basically created a robot um, for the U.S. military. And whilst he was working with it, he also believed it became sentient. Uh, and he named the robot Johnny Five. And uh, there was a documentary about it called Short Circuit. <laughs> was, that, was that based on true events? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, no, I. this is what I'm thinking, right? You know how everyone thinks this guy's crazy when he starts saying, like, you know, number five is alive. Yeah. Um, you know, this, this is what I imagine this guy. <laughs> yeah, in 10 years' time or 20 years' time, we're going to be looking back, remembering fondly the film that was made about Blake Lemoyne and, I don't know, yeah. <laughs> Jeffrey Seven or whatever. <laughs> Oh, uh, they did actually. Uh, they they've given it a name, didn't they? Lambda is the name of the. Yes, that's right. That's right. Lambda, What's it? Yeah. What did does Lambda stand for? Something probably. I'm sure it does. Yeah, I'm not um, sure, but I read it as La MDA, as in I wonder La if they MDA. Take MDA when they. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, are they taking a lot of uh, a lot of MDA whilst they're working on this stuff? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. No so yeah, in-depth in conversations with it. <laughs> well, he probably he's probably embarrassed because he you know he might have let slip something you know that he's you know, I don't know having an affair or something yeah. like that to Lambda, and now he's like, no, I'm going to have to out it so can it so can have to you know kill it or something. You know they'll close yeah. down the project if I if I you know screw it all up for them. Like, uh, very bizarre. So yeah, slightly bizarre rant of the week, but uh, you know, really, Blake. What are you going to do now? <laughs> Where are you yeah. going to go from here? Rant of the week. This is the podcast the Queen listens to. Although she won't admit it. Uh, this is where... Or the, sorry. This is the point of the show where Jav will have apparently quite literally phoned in his performance. Um, so, uh, maybe there's something of interest in what's about to follow. Maybe there isn't. Who knows? But here we go. Time for this week's... 
Fantastic, Jeff. Thank you. That was really interesting. Brilliant. Well worth the wait. Well worth the wait. Uh, I don't know how you managed to maintain such a poor voice quality all the way through as well. Point four was really interesting. Fascinating. Billy Big Balls of the Week. Go! Recording from the UK. You're listening to the Host Unknown podcast. So we know that Jav doesn't have time for us, but we have got time for you, dear listener, because we have got time for... In fact, what time is it, Andy? Uh, it is that time of the show where we head over to our news sources over at the InfoSec PA Newswire, who have been very busy bringing us the latest and greatest security news from around the globe. Industry News. Hashtag RSAC, the Cybersecurity Maturity Model Certification Program is coming. Industry News. FDNY calls for digital firewall to protect rescue workers from cyber attacks. Industry News. Apple CEO Tim Cook pushes Senate for privacy legislation. Industry News. Privacy watchdog boosts legal funds by keeping millions in fines. Industry News. BNPL fraud alert as account takeovers surge. Industry News. Corporate network access selling for under $1,000 on dark web. Industry News. Cybercriminals smuggle Ukrainian men across border. Industry News. Office 365 functionality could allow ransomware to hold files stored on SharePoint and OneDrive. Industry News. Cybersecurity researchers find several Google Play Store apps stealing users' data. Industry News. And that was this week's. Industry News. Huge if Huge true. if true. I'm, I'm, I'm you, uh, you seem to be having a bit of trouble there getting the, uh, the, the button going faster. <laughs> <laughs> I they, there was a slight gap in between each uh, each section. Uh, right. I thought you were pausing. Actually, maybe who knows? Who knows? <laughs> maybe maybe we're missing Jav more than we know. Um, the one cyber yeah. criminals smuggle Ukrainian men across border. Is that is that cyber criminal? Are they kind of like doing a Tron thing here, where they sort of downloading them into uh, into the internet computers. and then sort of then just file yeah. transferring them? You know, I, I, exactly I, that. Yeah, I'm just saying. Uh, what's you know, that? Uh, other... I'm just. I'm just asking the yeah. questions. What's that? It's a film called Johnny Mnemonic, where he's yeah Johnny of, Mnemonic, you know, yeah, where, yeah, yeah, that's right. He has to remove um, memories of his childhood in order to store store corporate data, and doesn't it max yeah. out at something like fifty gigabytes or something like that? Yeah, so, yeah, which and is then, like um, not a lot. Yeah, so do you know what? one thing that uh, really caught my attention? Um, because I was actually thinking, if there's one thing this industry needs, it's another certification program. This is true, um, yeah. And it's this cybersecurity maturity model certification program. Mm. 
Mm. Um, which if you want to do business with the US DOD, you will have to comply with it. Uh, so they have been talking about this this CMMC for a, a few years, uh, but now they're actually basically getting to the stage where they're ready to define, you know, 2.0 of this this whole model. Um, and you'll be able to get certification to, and you have to meet a particular standard. So it's going to be measure, measurable. Um, so it's, yeah, so basically I'm, it's I'm the interested. US government ensuring that auditors will still have work. Yes, pretty much because, um, yeah, if we know there's one thing that they love, it is standards to audit. Yeah, yeah. I just, like, are there not enough to choose from? Why? What? Why? Oh, this is the thing, right? <laughs> why not use? I mean, I know ISO is often maligned, but everybody understands it, and it evolves. And the more it's used, the more it's going to be invested in. It's like. You know, it's yeah. it's like well, they want one that they can control, basically. Well, and the great thing about all US standards, like as I click through this, like the, the key features of CMMC 2.0. Um, so it's got like uh, three levels. So version one only had had five levels. Uh, version two has got three levels, like foundational level one, advanced is level two, and expert is level three. Um, but to come back to your point about can't they just align with other standards? Uh, level two has 110 practices aligned with NIST SP800-171. And level three has uh, more than 110 practices based on NIST SP800-172. So, yeah, to your point, can't they just align with standards? I think they're doing it. They're just putting a new front end on it and reselling it um, to a different department can make some money off the front of it. It's it's even more... um... Oh, what's the phrase I'm looking for? It's it's, well, you don't have to look too far under the hood to see it's, it. Seems to be a bit more of a you know another con of some description. To yeah. get more money, as you say. <laughs> um, this last one here: cybersecurity researchers find several Google Play Store apps stealing users' data. This is old news, surely. We've known for a uh, long time that the yeah. Android App Store has got. You know, for for every you know uh, anti malware app that's on on the Play Store, there's something like twenty five that are not malware apps that claim to be that literally just siphon off data. So I, it's, I find it's odd that this is this is new news, as it were. Uh, well, so going into this, I think this actually does more. Than, I'm just clicking into the article now. This actually does more than just steal like your own personal data. Um, so the most dangerous of these apps, according to the report, is um, tools capable of capturing your one-time two-factor authentication or one-time passwords um, to obviously facilitate account takeover. Um, oh, pick camera photo editor was a malicious. Oh, that, see, that sounds like something that people would use, yeah. you know, thinking it yeah, was good. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So that's a free one. Exactly. That, that steals your Facebook credentials. Um and this yeah. is this is where I struggle with people. So you know, let's break down the walls of you know Apple's walled garden and their app store and all that sort of thing. Just look at the level of malware in the you know Google Play Store versus the Apple App Store. I mean, it's it's yeah. you know, yes, there are problem there are problems with the Apple App Store without a shadow of a doubt, and you know very valid gripes from developers. But as an end user, you know what you're installing. You know, it may not be value for money, especially with some of them, but it's not going to 
you know, or it's extremely unlikely it's going to start siphoning off your data. Yeah. But huge. It's huge. Right, that's it, I think. That was this week's... Industry News. It doesn't matter if the judges were drinking. Host Unknown was still awarded Europe's most entertaining content status. I think that's the last time we can use that one until at some it point is. next week. When are the awards? The 21st. Next, next week. week, yeah. 21st. I've been June. asked if somebody's yeah. going to be attending. Uh, because of the, the the train strike, I shall. So originally, I was supposed to have a uh, a, a part a summer party with work, but that's been yeah. delayed because of the train strike. Uh, so no, I will not be attending London uh, next uh, okay. week. Well, I'll be there. I'll be there one way or the other. Okay, cool. So say so, yes, and um, obviously collect the uh, yeah, collect I'll, the award for up. us. I'll pick up the tin and put it on my shelf. Yeah, and laugh at um, the Lazarus heist if we beat them again. Absolutely. That's who we're going to laugh at? Okay, fair enough. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's bring the show home with the final segment, uh, the segment we call... Tweet of the Week. And we always play that one twice. Tweet of the Week. And this week, I shall keep it on a positive note because I think you guys depressed us last week uh, as I was listening. Guys, I think you know it was you decided all jab. It was all yeah, jab. So he, he decided to lighten it at the end by saying he had diabetes. I mean, come on. Yeah. Well, I think prior to that, you know, you thought the story was depressing, so you decided to to bring up something about uh, you know the, the guy that killed himself. Uh, and then realised that you're going down a dark alleyway, so I talked about you know life-threatening diabetes instead. Um, so this week, allow me to uh, <laughs> to try and keep it a little more jovial. Uh, this week's tweet of the week is from Brian in Pittsburgh, and he says, "Do you know why there are so many ex-military people in the U.S. cybersecurity industry?" It's largely because the US military is one of the few major institutions that is willing to identify promising individuals with no prior experience and invest in developing them. Mic drop. Come on. Mic, Mic drop. Dro that, yeah. That is so true. And, you know, been banging this drum for so long. We, we can't just always be going for cookie cutter, buddy, qualifi you know, uh, qualified people. We've got to find people that have got potential and invest in them that's how you build teams so yeah. yeah yeah in fact i think it was one of the analogies that i used the 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 army doesn't you know go to the market go to the job center and say we're looking for snipers and tank drivers they go that we're looking for squads <laughs> and then we'll work out where you're going to go from there you know yeah. we'll teach you the basics we'll work out where you're good you know, if you if if your hands don't shake, you know, after a night out, or if you can drive in a straight line, then great, you're a sniper or a or a tank driver. But yeah, it's so true, so true. I like this one, Mister Brian in Pittsburgh. Um, yeah, well done, well done. That was a spot on. Tweet of the week. Do you know what we run short whenever Jav's not here? Uh, yeah, which is ironic because Jav is actually quite short himself. Because he's the um, shortest of the three of us, yeah. yeah. Yeah, which is why he's always standing on boxes in photos <laughs> or uh, on <laughs> tiptoes. 
Exactly. And I think he's trying to suppress those pictures where we actually have like the the far angle um, demonstrating yeah. him standing on boxes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that one time he, he he stood on the lid of a of a socket cover to, to give yeah. him just an extra half an inch. I mean, <laughs> you know, there's somebody who measures from the base without a shadow of a doubt. <laughs> You know, he measures um. from the peepender, no doubt about it. <laughs> right. Um. <laughs> Judges of the uh, awards, if this is the episode you were listening to, to yeah. make your decision. <laughs> Base it on the word pupenda alone, please. Yeah. <laughs> Love that word. <laughs> Andy, uh, absolute pleasure to have you on here, sir. Well, as always, um, maybe next week we'll get a special guest star in. Who knows? You know, it, it Who depends knows? if he's off travelling again. But, uh, but yeah, thank you very much. Stay secure, my friend. Stay secure. You've been listening to the Host Unknown podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, comment and subscribe. If you hated it, please leave your best insults on our Reddit channel. Worst episode ever. R slash smashing security. So this show is either going to be sort of 37 minutes if Jav does nothing or yeah. um, <laughs> you know, maybe 40 minutes depending on what he decides to send in via WhatsApp voice call. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or, you know, or at which point we... Uh, which point we cut him off is is for him to decide. Who knows? But uh, yeah. yeah, who knows? I mean, you know, when even when even the the the, the makers of your podcast don't know how it's going to turn out. I mean, that's exciting. That that yeah. that must be exciting as a listener. Never let them know your next move. No, especially when you don't know it.